Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. start welcome to the creep dive this is the podcast to bring you a bit of uplift today oh is it um i've got um something totally how's my volume i've got a mic that's a bit off center here yeah you're good you're good i have uh, something i have been brewing for weeks is it an overcooked egg it is is it a fucking century egg of a creep no is it in breaking news? It's, no, no. This has been going on since the 90s. Oh. And it's truly one of the most fascinating stories. Is this one of those I've days where Jen and I can like relax a little bit and drink our coffee and you just like lure us into this deep, deep story? Deep. I'm afraid I have a deep, yeah. deep story. Yes. Do you want to get straight into it? Do we, have, do we have a creep of the week? I have a creep of the week. There's yes. many. Um, okay, it's about a very large pig. We're in Texas. Thank you, dear creep, for sending this in. It is, I'll do it in the voice of, you can have Australia. Winston Churchill. My whole family is scared. They feel like they're prisoners in their own home. They can't go anywhere. A woman has reported that her family members were left battered and bruised when a very large pig smashed into their home and attacked them. Fuck. Before returning several more times. <gasps> oh. All right, so 911 caller reported the incident last Monday saying, my grandma is being attacked by a random pig. Oh, now my grandpa's being attacked. So according to this lady, Wendy, she lives in Kingsland in Texas. The pig targeted her to- her daughter and her disabled parents. She described the pig as wear not wearing, Determined. weighing, <laughs> wearing, a small bow tie and a pair of underwear no no it was just a pig but it was enormous 300 pounds uh black and white spots foaming at the mouth oh, a rabied Jesus. pig maybe. 300 pounds a feral hog a feral hog mm. she said my daughter got hurt out here 
Uh, he barreled through the door. My mum wrestled with him at the doorway and tried to prevent him from coming in. He barreled on through, got a hold of my dad. My mum tried to lay on top of him to crunch him down until the cops got here. Fucking hell. Australian. But he overpowered her and got on I'd top of her. i he fucking did. 300 pounds is... I know. Like... Hefty. Um, yeah. Out of control, big wheelbarrow of action so he had flattened her like an accordion so later on the owner of the pig came by raging the owner this pig has an owner with a gun he threatened to shoot wendy's parents if they tried to shoot the pig wendy's parents were accordioned on the ground one on top of the other at this point pig wandering through the home um and then what the mother the grand said what does he expect us to do sit here and let this pig simply maul us I'm British. The next day. (laughs) It's global pandemic. Would you believe the pig returned again? Wendy said, I'm standing inside my parents' house with a hammer and a knife, trying to defend myself and defend my family at all costs. I shouldn't have to live like this. Oh my God, it's true though. It is. Where's the owner that the pig keeps coming back? Pig's just saying to the owner, I'm off out. I've got this. I'll see you. See you later. I'm going back to Wendy's to finish the job. And uh, so Wendy explained that animal control did respond, but the pig saw the truck coming and left slowly. Like the the animal is moving slowly, but is ferocious. So later on, it went over, it went after her, Wendy's boyfriend, leaving her entire family fleeing, some of them feeling rather trapped Mm -hmm. in their own home. So following the incident, Wendy then told Fox 7, my whole family is scared. They feel like they're prisoners in their own home. They can't go anywhere. I want justice is what I want. I want to know something is being done. That's what I want. To the best ability of law and nobody is being hurt. So the pig was finally returned to Jim who owns it. Um, It is believed that the owner has secured the pig's enclosure and they're not going to be any charges filed that seems strange the pig was not trying to attack anyone it knocked a person down it was behaving and acting like a dog will sometimes do on a person's leg that's telling my god it wasn't being aggressive in any way it was not trying to hurt anyone we know a lot about pigs super smart corkscrew dick as smart as dogs yeah yeah appetite have sex for pleasure massive orgasms they have lo- the longest Nine orgasms. minutes, isn't it? Something That's right. pig orgasm. Fabulous, isn't it? Jesus, wouldn't it be great to be a pig. That's it. Except, would you want a corkscrew dick or a corkscrew vaginal um, cavity? You, things could get lost up there. Um, I just... Uh, things could really spiral. this picture of a grown man riding a pig around like a horse there. <laughs> Pigs can get big. Yeah, so they so, can. Uh, thank you for that, Jennifer. No problem at all. Thank I love you. their little feet. The hooves. Just the little trotters. The feet are so dainty looking. Two big, two little toes. They look like, they always look like they're wearing high heels. It's the little Yeah, back, it's the, the little, yeah. That would be the thumb of the pig. Yeah. It's doing the stiletto bit at the back. You're right, two toes at the front and a little And kind a of, little, little what kitten heel. It's a kitten it's heel. A it's a kitten heel. heel. Very dad, hard to right. wear, I find, a kitten heel. And we know that they'll eat you. We do. We learned that. Bones and all. um, Hannibal Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. The perfect way to dispose of a human body. Truly, the reuse, reduce, recycle. That must be what people are doing. With feeding the bodies to the pigs. That's the only way you could do it, really. Lime is very messy. I think um, 
Dahmer's first murder did a very good job in that. Not now, not I'm not condoning or commending Jeffrey Dahmer. No, but you know his first one. I've just got sorry. You've got really, you're really moving back into the foliage. We're in a. I'm going to post in a plant in a house plant over here. It's a very um, fashionable he house. We're kind of. Uh, it sort of stripped, like stripped off all the kind of fleshy whatnot, the wet bits, and was left with the skeleton, which he then like systematically ground to dust. With what, like a coffee grinder, bean grinder, or just a mortar and pestle? Pestle I, and mortar. I think just some kind of like malady thing or something into a dust, like, like yeah. And what did he do with the dust? Do you know what? That would be hard though with the teeth. I think. Teeth would be hard to... Not mine. Not yours. They will crumble. (laughs) (laughs) So you should only murder people who have subsisted on a diet of my wadi as children. Absolutely. (laughs) Don't do my wadi. Undiluted my wadi. Anyone else following Menugate on Twitter? No, No, go on. I'm off Twitter, as everyone should be. There's a man living in a simulation. Uh, It's not Twitter, it's TikTok. Okay. And he is... I no, I don't want to derail. I'll no, come no, back go to on. it. No, 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 we no. have to know. I don't have the details directly in front of me. I was hoping that I would spark, spark, sparkle joy with one of you two, and then you you would finish my creep with me just saying the top line. But that hasn't happened, so let's move on. I just need to know now. It's funny, like you see the TikTok trends, and you think everyone's into it. Yeah, but you're, they're so in, they're so individual. Like I only came across Sparkle Sparkle today. Sparkle, you know sparkle. that I had TikTok news for Jennifer yesterday. Oh, Jennifer, who lives there, and mm. I, who don't have TikTok, was telling her all about the new gossip trend. Yes, what? Tell. Oh, people are out in the wilds, eavesdropping on gossip, filming it, posting it to TikTok, and then like a public service trying to. Although I they're would. ruining gossip, Cass. Okay, no, fair. I would and be then in... they're trying to find the individuals that the gossip is about to bring it to their door. Absolutely dead. Oh, yes. I mean, this is age old internet stuff. If you're someone who's dating a blonde man and he has a friend here, he's cheating on you. I heard him say yeah. it to somebody else. Yeah, except Interesting. one particular one was a bunch of bridesmaids. Uh, going hard into the bride. Uh, after I heard this one. Yeah, yeah. So mean. And then they kind of... Did they find the bride? They found... Okay, no, I didn't find uh, closure on that one. But they did find a woman called Sarah, whose friends had been bitching about her over brunch, saying that she dressed like a slag. Oh! And then <laughs> the TikToker posted it all to TikTok. Um like basically you know begged her followers we must find sarah we must tell her well, what are they going to do when they find sarah only like cut her off from her friends they're not yeah. going to be her friend exactly and then sarah was found and then sarah kept getting tagged in all the tiktoks and sarah Water had boarded. to get on to the tiktoker and say i do dress like a slag you stop this <laughs> My friends were justified. I dress like a slag. Also, everyone is tagging my business account in this TikTok drama. And I really don't want this being brought to my door. People are so high after their own shite. Who's to say that Sarah wasn't a horrible bitch who had it coming? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like we're presuming here that the angel that is Sarah the slag. Or like, you know, the way you would, in a friendly, loving way, be like, <laughs> the Jen's state of my slag. Yeah, 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 state of her. It's like when we talk about you and say your kids look like they're in Les Mis. Yeah, 
That's fine. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Do you want to hear a bit about Menu Gate? Yes. Well? Okay. So Menu Gate, story 20, 2020, 2021, there was a guy on TikTok posting about his apartment complex saying he had discovered he was the only one living in the entire building. So it's it's called I Menu Gate. That. Do you remember this? Because he noticed menus from restaurants stuck into the doors and he got one himself. But he came out and he was like, oh, no one's opened any of these doors. How strange. Freaky. So from the outside of the apartment, apartment complex, from the street, the lights would turn on and off. And some in some apartments, he could see flashing TVs. So he was like, what uh. the fuck is going on? So anyway, that was, that's the, that's it. <laughs> what? <laughs> so he never got, that is the smallest gate <laughs> that we've ever had. <laughs> That is like he didn't investigate. He just was like, "Oh, like, oh have more, you heard about wake up gate? <laughs> it's just basically someone woke up." He the believed, end. It, it goes on further. It sort of starts like that, and everything gets a bit stranger. He gets he leaves his apartment at the same time every day. Starts noticing there's the same guy. Sorry, so there is more to the story. Coffee. You just got bored. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was half. <laughs> Like you can't end the story just because you don't want to. Okay, well, okay. So he starts saying, he's seeing this one guy having this conversation on a telephone and he realized, oh shit, he's been having that conversation for a week. I've been walking by this guy the same time I walk by him, the same time every day I'm heading to work and he's saying the same thing as I'm walking by every day. Am I living in a simulation? Or has the landlord for this apartment block trying to create some sort of luxury living environment to sell <laughs> all the rest of the apartments and is populating it's the like area with actors? Home alone. Yeah. Yeah. The, the landlord has a few cardboard cutouts set up exactly. on a railway, a train set. Like those little things that you get puckered into buying on the streets with the string and the dancing Donald Duck yes. and the Donald no, What? You know the things they have them on a string and there's usually they're like it's an invisible wire and they've got like little legs and it looks like they're dancing independently. <laughs> Imagine you lived alone in a apartment complex and you did think others lived there but they were super teeny tiny little people. Yeah, <laughs> dancing on an in invisible the shape string. Of Donald Duck. Yeah, and you're like god they really like music. <laughs> um okay. You're welcome. <sighs> Very good. Now we're ready. Can we have a BuzzFeed for this? Oh. Um, how relaxed can I get can I like put my microphone down and do some crochet and come in with a hot tip every now and then <laughs> people might feel they're not getting their money's worth if you're just sitting this is a free crafting. one this is a free one okay so it's a buzzfeed headline buzzfeed Hard, headline um, I'm gonna go with uh, you were the only one who deserved to live oh <gasps> Yeah, this is a horrible story. Oh, oh right, okay. really creepy. I think I opened the episode with, we're going to be uplifting. We we're did. going to be uplifting. You said, here's where you come for a break. Um, it's like that time in, in February 2020, we said the only way is up. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. Um, it starts, okay, we're on the morning of June 20th, 1994. Okay. Okay. And we're in Dunedin. In the very south of the South Island of New Zealand. And so I listened to this story, right? A creep friend of the pod, Subi, sent me this story and a podcast about it. I think I texted her one day and was like, I need 
something just horrendous. Now, for personal reasons, not to do a creep. And she sent me the story. Listen to the whole podcast. And I do recommend it. It's called Black Hands. And um, it, I always had ruled it out for something really to dark. creep. Because it's too dark. Yeah. Oh. oh. And what? What that was tell? back in 2018. 2018, Sophie, thought it was too dark for the creep. Whereas 2023, Sophie, feels we're ready for it now. Have we matured? We've matured. Really the listeners, are, every one of us is five years older. Okay. Can you believe we've been doing this podcast for half a decade? Oh my God. I can well believe it. Oh, it's been, it's good times. It's good times. Okay. So it's early morning. It's actually nearly our five year anniversary. It was around this. Sorry. I know. <laughs> I know. But... Our first episode was October, I think. I'm gonna, was I'm it? gonna, I'm gonna scroll back. It's it co- imagine it was today. Oh, oh shit! It's my dad's birthday. I must Aww. text my mom. Happy birthday, Kev! <laughs> On his birthday, we just text each other, going, "Kev's birthday today." Yeah, and the other goes, "Yep." End of. End of. Okay, so uh, June twentieth, just before seven a.m. Uh, David, who's twenty-two returns home from his paper round. Now, I would say the 22 is a little bit old to be mm-hmm. doing a paper round, but who no am judgment. I to judge? And at nine minutes past seven, local emergency services received a call from David. I don't know if I should do the accent. He said, they're all dead. Oh, they're oh. all dead. And so the police arrived at the house of the Bain family. Sorry, David guys. Bain. Just feel when it's the 12th of December. Oh, Which we should remember because it's the day after my birthday. Aww. 2018, five years on the 12th of December. Let's go for dinner. Okay. What, what was the first Or let's episode? have a live episode. Let's do a live show. Sorry, yeah. I'm derailing. Let's go back in. That's so true. Happy birthday creep. And like, it's a birthday party. We'll do a birthday party. And it's also my birthday that weekend. So we can roll it all into one. Excellent. Well, we just turned this into a reminiscing episode. <laughs> no, I want the story. the story I'm about to tell you. I want the story. And people are like, probably people are like seconds get skipping to get me to shut the it. fuck up. That person who get left the iTunes review a few years ago saying we'd lost our way. is just like, I can't believe I came back here. <laughs> They still haven't found their way. Okay, so the police arrived to the Bain family resident, residence and they found, so it was a family of six, parents and two, four kids, and they found five of the six family members dead from gunshot wounds. So the dead were Robin, 58, dad of the family, Margaret, his wife, 50, and their daughters... Arawa, who was 19, and Laniet, who was 18, and their son, Stephen, who was 14. They found a message typed on the family computer that said, sorry, you were the only one who deserved to stay. That's our BuzzFeed headline, isn't it? Mm. Okay. David was a wreck, their oldest son, he was 22, and he seemed at one point to go into a kind of almost fit um a lot of obviously shock and trauma going on um and he did have some blood on him 
He said that he'd only seen his parents' bodies, um, which then doesn't quite chime with the emergency call where he said, they're all dead, they're all dead. Okay. But obviously he was in a state of shock. And so I'm going to row back a minute and tell you a bit about the Bain family. Okay. Because, okay, so from the outside... Jen. Blue Velvet. Bane. Bane. Oh, Bane. <laughs> I thought you were doing, do you know him Blue Velvet when he's got the mask on? Anyway, <laughs> is it Blue Velvet? For a split second, it I is. thought it was concern. It was just her going, I'm <gasps> oh, yeah. sorry, the motion Jen did was a hand in front of her face and then some laboured breathing. Um, could have just been wake up gate. Apart. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to tell you about the Bane family, okay? They were... In some ways, from the outside, for all intents and purposes, normal family. Mm-hmm. But then when you dig in a tiny bit, there is a few weirdy things about the Baines. So Robin and Margaret got married in 1969. And um, so at the time of their deaths, they'd been married for 25 years. And they got married in Dunedin. They would four kids. Um, obviously, we know David, Arawa, Laniet and Stephen. Um, after David was born in 74, they moved to Papua New Guinea um, because Robin worked as a missionary teacher. Okay. So we have a little bit of religion going on in the family. Mm-hmm. Not everyone finds that as strange as us. Is there any religion in any of our families? No. You did a little bit of it. I think I have a, uh, one of them uncles that's a priest. I have a grand aunt that's a nun. I mean, that's where they put the lesbians back in the day. And we're not sure. <laughs> we're not sure. Um, okay. Did she have a close personal friend that she lived with all her she life? She lives in a silent convent. Oh, wow. Wow. I actually really envy that. Okay. With the sexy Jesus picture. So it was when they were in Papua New Guinea that all of the other children were born. So Arua, Laniat and Stephen were all born in Papua New Guinea. And so obviously they were living in a culture very different to Dunedin, where they were from. Um, But it seems like they all, you know, enjoyed their time there. Um, They returned to New Zealand in 1988. So six years before the murders. And at that time, uh, David, the eldest, would have been about 16 the others younger. Um, they said that, uh, that like, basically, Arua was like, really high achieving at school. Laniat, kind of less, you know, a bit more, you know. Average. Kind of, mm. yeah. And Stephen was young when they returned, but when Stephen was kind of a bit older, he did kind of start acting up a bit. Now, he was the youngest. And, you know, at the time that he was murdered, there had been just before like a little bit of run ins with police and stuff, but kind of petty stuff. Okay, not as in him being petty towards others. I see. And nursing petty grudges, which I support. But, you know, just like bits bits and bobs of little. Yeah. And David, the eldest, mm, different reports on David's school time. So like some reports are like he was nerdy. He was strange. Others kind of saying he was very athletic and well-liked and had a good sense of humour. So there's... Was he twins? (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't do the guessing. But that would be kind of useful for things that have unfolded later. So um, 
After they came back from Papua New Guinea, Robin became, he couldn't get work as a missionary, which upset him, but he became the principal of Tauri Beach School, which was a little bit away from the family home, which was in Anderson's Bay in Dunedin. And the home was very odd. Like photographs of the house, you're just like, yeah, that would be where a whole family would get murdered. Really? really? just has the look. What do you mean now? Velour everywhere or something? Just from the outside. A base. Oh, so it was kind of old and it was kind of semi-derelict. I right. From the outside. And then photographs of the house. And now this is where I'd run into difficulties if we had a kind of a whole family aside situation and then pictures of my house were released afterwards because they would say great floors they would have said this is a dysfunctional family how could they have lived like this and um, rooms were described as squalid uh-huh. and messy okay and chaos and it's true i've seen the pictures it's a classic hoarder's house okay and oh. robin and margaret were said to be hoarders and um, at the time of the murders robin and margaret were kind of estranged Things were fucking weird as shit in the family. Um, so Robin was living out at this other school where he was the principal. But he seems like this really kind of downtrodden character. Okay. And ex-missionary um, yeah and like the school where he was teaching was a bit of a kind of it was a small school he had to live over there in his van so imagine your principal living on the school grounds in a van it's irresistible not, prankery it's not yeah it doesn't scream like happy life gravitas yeah, yeah. Yeah. The gravitas required of a principal. And when he did come home to the family home, so he kind of spent half the week at school, half the week at home. Um, Margaret insisted that he sleep in a caravan in the garden, despite the fact that he was the sole breadwinner of the family. So he would have been within his rights to be like, can I, I please can't... sleep in the house? The house I'm helping to pay for. Mm. But Margaret was having none of it. And Margaret was... Sort of into a bit of New Age spiritualism. Okay, okay, um, good, yeah. A bit of, as uh, to quote intermission, Celtic mysticism. Um, although I don't know if her sounds were, um, do you remember Colomini's car gets stolen and all his sounds are in the car, clonid and stuff. Anyway, or was it fun? Anyway, so she had developed this interest in New Age spiritualism. And that, I think, would have been, fairly fine except that she started to really zero in on different members of the family as being a son of Belial one of the four crown princes of hell and uh, they used to fight and bicker as you would with someone who was telling you that the devil was in you at different times she thought the devil was in different people in the family but very focused on Robin the husband okay a lot of Bell in him that's how she described it in her diaries she was seeing Bell short for Belial in all of the family, sometimes in food. Right. Bit of bell in this food. But the devil's in this food. We won't be having it. Um, so it was... Oh, very bad. Starting to be unusual. Um, at the time of the murders, teachers who worked with Robin felt he was very depressed. And you would be though. Like, I mean, I love the caravan, but every day. Every day. And this is cold. This is wintertime in Dunedin. Yeah. And you bang your head and all that. It gets very lot. cold. Yeah. And obviously it would fuck you off being the only person in the family going out to work every day and being forced to sleep in the caravan. 
and being told the devil was present in you as you're just there this downtrodden school principal trying to go about his day probably imagine you're going from the family that appears to hate you to 30 odd students who no doubt dislike you and then you have to Um, live in a van and then you have to live in a caravan and then the thing was in his job as principal he was starting to be very disorganized seemed to be you know kind of struggling to cope oh, no. one point they sent in like um school inspectors and they were just like where it is all the files where is all the evidence that you're even teaching these kids and they'd found loads of the kids just kind of didn't Wandering. know anything oh, <laughs> which God. isn't not great sign, in yeah. school and robin was like oh it's all up here uh, you know, so he said that he had, you know, a kind of a mental record of all the students. Um, and so they were like, pull your socks up. And he did actually pull the socks up. And so so he was half living in the house. David was full time living in the house. David seems to have been very close to Margaret, the mother. OK. And they had also a little delusional like mm, Margaret. Well, some of the like. Or just an enabler. Well, evidence of their delusion was in the fact that they had a plan to tear down the house and rebuild another house on the property and open a kind of um, refuge um, and kind of have it open to sort of anyone who wanted to come, strangers, family and like others in the Bain family were like, eh, eh. I okay. mean, we're barely able to keep a handle on this house. Exactly. What? With what are you planning to build the second house? Yeah. And apparently the plans for the build were entirely drawn up by Margaret. I see. Who I do- lacked the knowledge, I would say, for engineering. An and Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, I forgot to mention, but a lot of the kids had been homeschooled by Margaret. I feel like we knew that already. Okay. Somehow, there's a whiff of that. Yeah, yeah. There is definitely. a big bang of homeschooling here, isn't there? Um, there kind of always them. is in the in the family murders. Well, I guess if you're deep in your what you believe is you're thinking to be correct, there's no way you're sending them to mainstream. Yeah, you they'll want be everywhere there. They don't want yeah. to be getting ideas. Like they definitely did attend school here and there. But very patchy attendance. And like I said, Arawa was like a really high achiever. So at the time of the murders in 1994, the people who were living in the house full time were David, Margaret the mother, Stephen the youngest and Arawa. And Laniette was living sometimes in a flat and sometimes out in the dad's caravan at the school. And what age? 18. Okay. She was 18 at the time. And how old's David? He's the oldest. He's 22. Okay. And um, Arrow is uh, 20. And Stephen's 14. Oh, right. Okay. So they're so adult they're age. Like they're grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Some of them. And so Laniette was living out of home and she seemed to be having quite a chaotic time. Um, she was doing sex work and also seemed to be having quite a like a difficult relationship with a guy who seemed to be kind of sort of her pimp okay sort of just a dark entity Mm. in her life and so there was a lot of chaos going on and so as I said at the time David was doing classes at Otago University studying music and had the old job uh, doing the paper run. And Arrow was training to become a teacher. 
in the co- in teachers college and um so i'm just trying to think is there any other weirdness about the family apart from all the de- the devil seeing um there was are they a board game family actually not <laughs> too distant from that D&D. they are a musical theatre family there you go and the thing is like that's, you think, that's not ringing like this feels odd it's, they were very David and Robin very particularly were into musical theatre David was very into acting Robin and David were in a choir together and like at different times Dave, uh, Robin the dad was trying to organise for him and David to have kind of a bonding session with another father-son duo that were in the choir. A quartet. A quartet. He wanted them to set up a breakaway kind of, yeah, musical group. Musical. Mm. Um, so there's that. Not saying musical theatre is odd. I myself am in a choir. But, and shout out to the creep who's in the choir with me. Oh. D. Oh God, D. Oh my God. Why would you Why have you it? done this? I don't know. I went out on a limb. Do you know, it's so nice. Basically, what happens is we meet so many creeps every week yeah. that that I get the names. I guess name Just digging in further. There. Yeah, <laughs> but you're just... in this choir together. OK, row back, row back. <laughs> We're not in the same. I'm a tenor and I think she's a soprano. Is that a dick? Have I said <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> OK, OK. So that's where they all were at the time of the murders. So. The police walked into the scene and what they saw on the family computer was essentially a parent suicide note and the shotgun that was used in the murders was beside David on the floor of the family room. Right. No, the computer room. So they said to themselves, all right. Looks like David's done it. Looks like David. No, Robin. Robin's Robin's done done this and has... Sorry, shotgun beside Robin in the family room. Yeah, the dad. Mm. And all the other members of the family were murdered in their bedrooms. I see. Margaret and Arua were in their beds. Okay. So seemingly asleep. Um, Laniet was found beside her bed on the floor seemed like she'd been on her knees oh my god so it sounds like she may have been have third been pleading having woken up from the previous two gunshots yeah and then Stephen. there was a silencer on the rifle but like that only does so much i think Stephen was fully out of bed and there was evidence in his room that there had been like struggle what had been described as a death struggle oh, and um robin now didn't appear to have anyone's blood on him but there was a green jersey that had been put in the laundry pile that they think robin was wearing weird weird moment weird moment and then um basically david's movements were that he came home from the paper round yes washed his hands and changed some clothes because he used to run the paper around with his dog and would and, and in the house would his bedroom and the bathroom he could have accessed all of them victims. without seeing anybody gotcha. okay and he says that he put a wash on straight away also seems and fine if, as long as he's not stepping over bodies while he's doing it um and he wasn't and um there seems that the green jersey got mingled into the wash. So he might. Because it's like 
on you could say Robin might have put his the jersey after after committing the murders exactly. into the laundry pile and then which is David strangely organized and yeah. David picked up stuff and put it in the washing machine. Yeah. Now it is unfortunate but you can see how it happened. Yeah. It's really hoping David is innocent here. Presuming. Like I'm a woman in my late 30s and for me to put a wash on is an enormous mental struggle. It could take me upwards of three or four days to act on that. Yeah, but you pile. know, when you get the notion, you don't, you kind of go into autopilot and you mm. just throw things in. But also sometimes it's if children of hoarders can be particularly interested in keeping clean. Well, that's true. When you do that's come true. out of a hoarding environment, I've heard that you're very tidy. Yeah. You would be. And then the other thing was, so, you know, we said that Robin was kind of spotless. Yeah. Mm. And it, there seemed to be evidence that he had kind of changed clothes potentially to be kind of neater and tidier before he took his own life. Was his and then, wound self, in, could it be just from the self-inflicted well, angle? Well, okay, or? so there was some debate about this because if you think about it, a shotgun's very long. But was it a sawn-off shotgun or a regular no, shotgun? A regular With the silencer screwed on. Even longer. And you'd so, have to, well, this is Kurt Cobain territory, you'd have to be pulling the trigger with a toe. This, uh, so obviously being me, had I have done a lot of like, how would I try and get this angle? And now they said that Robin was right-handed okay. and his gunshot wound was to the right temple. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, sorry, to the left. Okay. Sorry. So he oh. was right-handed, gunshot wound on the left. So... But then, right, so I was thinking about it and I was like, how, I'm right-handed. How would I go about this? And I can actually see doing it from the left side because left arm is longer here. So you'd be trying to hold the bottom of the gun. Okay. And then right arm, when you're over on your left side, shorter, maybe access the trigger. Okay. Yeah, but how far, like how long are we talking? That is, like, I've got really long spaghetti arms and I think that's long enough for a shotgun with a silencer on it. Yeah, I think you could do it. It's it's been contested both directions. Okay, okay. So, so it's plausible. Could be it's done. done. Now, there was debate about whether the shotgun was directly touching Robin's head or not. Which would suggest Surely would have dislocated. If it was touching, it would suggest he did it himself. If it wasn't, how the fuck? Really? Yeah. And, and was another also, question, was his shoulder dislocated? Life, uh, no. Okay. If you're taking your life, you would put it directly to your head, I think. I believe so. I don't yeah. think that you would leave any margin for error. And I'd say you'd be shaken. And there also yeah. seems to be a suggestion that the first shot that Ro- that uh, was aimed at Robin jammed. Oh. And that he had to go again. And also, Desperate. they did tests where they put the gun with the silencer directly against something oh made the shot and examined the the wound and it was like that there would have been a so if you can picture the silencer being a bit like a tin can over the end of the gun the rim of the silencer seemed to make a mark yeah that was around the bullet wound and that wasn't found on robin okay uh robin's hands didn't have gunshot residue Oh, no. Interesting. Neither did David's. Oh. But we know David washed his hands. Oh. Okay. Oh, no. From where David. you're standing. Well, obviously, it's looking like David. The wash, the out of the house. It the does single. look like David. 
But, okay. What about the boyfriend? So everyone is dead except for David. Oh, Carl. Nah, nah. There was never any suggestion that it was an external person. I see. It was like, it has to come down to these two. Robin, who's dead and can't speak for himself. David, who uh, made the 911, sorry, the 111 emergency call they discovered 25 minutes after he had entered the house. How Ashton Kutcher of him. But um, it, that is a very okay, long the time. The house is very messy. Some people are not used to washing machines. <laughs> it could be, there could have been some confusion. He could have gone in for a long, did he go into the loo? Um, long poo. Long poo, yeah. He, by his account, washed the hands and put the wash on. And so the police kind of believed this might have gone for about five minutes. Oh, Jesus. He, Maybe he's a dilly-dallier. At the... Um, at the kind of first questioning, said that he had no idea what had happened to the kind of interim 20 minutes. That's fair. You wouldn't. After a big you trauma, w- you'd be like, I've no fucking idea what I did five minutes ago before yeah. I found this. Exactly. And he said that he had zoned out in previous times and lost time. Yeah. And he was, so he was at a concert the week before. Seems to have been a classical music concert. Okay. Mm. Um, and the girl he was kind of half seeing was like, yeah, he seemed to zone out for the second movement. And it's very meditative, he, though. When he came, yeah, yeah. And um, he was just staring straight ahead. And when he came kind of back to, it was like everyone was clapping. And that's mm. kind of what it brought Could him back. Could have been planning a murder during that time. That Could have been. <laughs> very odd. I mean, it's very, it's, very, it's like, but Robin had reason. Robin had been pushed to the edge. Okay. And there's more on that. Yes. So now the one thing is the whole family, it was unusual that they were all there because remember, um, Laniette lived out of the house. Yeah. Uh, Robin wasn't home all the time. Mm-hmm. And a Sunday night he would have sometimes have gone back to the school, I think. But basically somebody met Laniette on the Saturdays. This will happen on a Sunday night, well into Monday morning. And... Laniette met someone over the weekend and said David had called a family meeting for the Sunday night and she was worried. But then conflicting accounts say that Laniette called the family meeting. And okay, so weird. The and the reason that is has been posited that Laniette called the family meeting was because she was about to come out with a story that she and her father had been having sex. Yes. Well, I did think when you talked about them spending time together in the caravan. Yes. Close quarters. Yes. And it's cold. Yes. It is. Yes. Right. So hang on. How do we know this about Laniette? So she had told a shopkeeper who lived near her in the flat. I know. And the shopkeeper, I've heard him interviewed and he was like, she just came out with this. And they were like, and what did you say? And he was like, nothing. And he was like, nothing. React, man. Do something. She's only 18. Okay. So she calls the meeting, arrives But then there was another uh, teacher of hers that said that Laniette and her grasp of the truth was shaky so she had told the teacher that in Papua New Guinea she had become pregnant and had had the baby 
And now she would have been very young in Papua New Guinea. And wh- like the oldest young? she could have been would have been 12. What? Now, look, we know that can happen. Suggesting it's that not yeah, a biological yeah. impossibility. It happens Father's in Coronation baby. Street in East End. That all wasn't time. ever suggested. I see. But then at another point, she told that teacher that she had become pregnant in Papua New Guinea and had an abortion. Okay. So... It, conflicting accounts coming from Laniette about what she's experienced. But feeling yeah. like it's likely something has happened to her. Well, it's definitely not like telling either like relating the real events or making up stuff about that is indicative of a troubled. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Potentially traumatized from who knows what. Um, so that all really supports Robin having reason. Because... This Obviously, was all about to come out. And yeah. Obviously. Where, where was Laniette found in the house again? Laniette was on her beside knees. her bed. Beside her bed. I want to say, yes. So is there any way she could also be a suspect in this? No. Okay. Um, It just... Back of the head shot for Laniette. Has never been possible, I think. Okay. Is the kind whatever of, way she died? It was not. Is it the wound? Yeah. Is it yeah. the other the other wounds on them that is like eliminating them as suspects? And then also the fact that Stephen had this struggle, oh, and yes, of course, oh, they God. felt that they felt that even Robin, who has been described that as the at the end of his life as like cadaverous, like he was five ten. I want to say and he was withered very withered and he was 58 okay so like fighting with a 14 year old boy okay Unlikely. well it was never suggested that Stephen was very slight or anything like yeah. that and then like David is 6'4 and kind of lean guy and also very fit so he was big into his running okay right. but he was out on the paper run Oh, was it with and the witnesses yeah. to suggest? Well, the papers were yes. deli- delivered. So on the paper run, he was seen by different people. And also there was a woman on the paper run who had told him a year previously, stop coming up to my house because it sets the dogs off. Grant. Will you just throw it? Yeah. And on the morning of the murders, he went up to her for house. the first time in a year. He went up to her. No, house. no, no. That's a red flag. Obviously, that's a big red flag. Like, I need to be seen. Yeah, that I'm here. So, yeah, his dad stayed that night. Yes, like paper rains very caravan. early. In the, yeah. So Robin's in the caravan, and everyone else is in the house the night prior to the murder. So yeah. this, these murders could have taken place before the run. Well, they. I think from times of death and stuff. Now, not overly, I think in the kind of police reporting, it seems like it wasn't overly accurate, but they felt that they couldn't have taken place like hours before. Okay. So it seemed like the murders had definitely taken place around the time that he was on his paper run. Interesting. Um, So. Interesting to be so specific. Like how long did his paper run? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One take. Oh God, Probably I don't know. The same time amount of time every day. Though. Yeah, like he's only doing one route now. Here's a creepy thing. Before all the murders, according to a friend of David's, David had become quite obsessive about a jogger that he saw every day, and he said to the friend, "I could attack her, oh. sexually assault her." And use my paper run as an alibi if I did the paper run earlier. Oh. And then appeared to come back from the paper run at the same time. Of course. Now that's a very, very odd line of thinking. Then thing to tell your friend. Then this happens. Quite different. It's a different crime to the familiar side but it's a kind it's of, a way of thinking, I guess. But like killing your entire family, mm. there would have to be some premeditation there. He'd have to know that his dad was going to be home. Mm. He'd have to decide to do the paper on earlier. Exactly. Would would he have gotten wind that Lancet Laniette Laniette had was going to announce this? Well, like, it's only been said after the murders that she was going to announce this. It's only been put forward as a theory. By that one shopkeeper. Well, the shopkeeper came forward and said that this had been told to him. And then the defense team of David's kind of put it together as a potential motive Mm. for Robin to have done it. And did David say that he believed that? Well, obviously he would. Yeah. Um, So after the murders, right, David obviously was, you know, questioned. He was examined. He did appear to have... A few kind of superficially sort of wounds, like one on his shoulder that looked like he'd been kind of grabbed through his T-shirt. Okay. Um, and he had Stephen's blood on him. Oh, okay. Weird. Well, okay. And he said he didn't see the other exactly. bodies. Exactly. He only but then said, oh. after they were like, but what did you do for this 25 minutes? He then started to have flashes back of seeing the others. And uh, they defense team said that, like, it's as likely that he got Stephen's blood on him from stumbling around the house. Right. They also had um, found a handprint, a bloody handprint on the washing machine. Not do great. remember that he said he put a wash on but he could have got that by picking up his dad's jumper potentially in. potentially 
like, I, mean, I like you're, your you're thinking, Jen. It's, um, it's so he had started to piece together some flashes back that seemed to start accounting for that time. And then so he went to stay with his aunt. And um, obviously the whole family were reeling. Um, the aunt said that almost immediately David started planning the funerals. Mm. Um, he was very, very certain of different aspects, all the songs that they wanted to play for the different family members. Okay. He wanted um, the flowers all very specific. So in some respects, thinking kind of quite straight. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything can be put down to both sides. Exactly. Like trauma, trauma behavior. And... And being like, all right, well, I'm just going to throw myself into this event or project. Exactly. Exactly. She said that he at one point really had a kind of breakdown and started saying black hands, black hands, black hands are taking them away. And this is creepy and weird. Yeah. Now, some people have suggested that his hands would have been blackened by the newspapers and that of course. did he oh, the paper commit the murders in, in a, a kind of fugue stage? Blackout. blackout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very clean. The thing is, it's all very planned. Yeah, exactly. Now, they do say, right, that they, it's like impossible to fully, fully get the timings of everything completely down to mm. the minute except that they know that the computer the letter was turned written. on so they couldn't even tell what time the letter had been written okay typed but they could tell that the computer had been turned on at about quarter to eight so 7 45 oh okay and would that and uh, timing wise would he have sorry 6 45 quarter to seven before he left so 20, the route. 25 minutes no, before he called the emergency services. And he had been seen like all the way up until that time. There's a bit of like conflicting eyewitness reports that are like, I saw him at the gate of the house at 6.45. So that's the exact time the computer would have been turned on. So it's, and that the old computers would have taken a few minutes to boot up and things like yeah. that. So again, it's not perfect. It doesn't rule him out, but it doesn't quite rule him in either. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a series of unfortunate coincidences here, though, for him. It truly you know? is. Or it's just proof that he's the murderer. Truly is. And then as he was piecing together stuff that he, quote unquote, remembered mm. from the period of time that he was in the house with the bodies, he said that he heard... His sister, Arawa, gurgling. Oh, God. And that she had a gunshot wound that was not fatal to her face. And then she had uh, another shot to her forehead that did kill her. So and he so, had heard the in-between. Well, that wouldn't have been possible no. unless he was there for the murder. Sec- yeah, for the second bullet. And so some of the things that he came out with to account for him stumbling around the house in a traumatized state then also kind of points to, well, 
what were you doing standing there listening to your sister gurgle instead of immediately going to the phone and being like we need an ambulance do you know what I mean yeah and so basically I'm going to read down the two theories okay in full it's not that long okay so where you're standing right now it's him it's David Okay. I, okay. I am on the theory that it's David, but I'm also, we've done this podcast for five years. So I'm waiting for like a big turn of events. A twist. Okay. So David was arrested. We lived um, in the attic all along. (laughs) About four days after the murders, he didn't attend the family's funeral. (gasps) Very traumatic if it wasn't him. Yes. He didn't attend them because he he had been arrested. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to, yeah, four days, four days. And like his family that he was staying with were like, he was behaving really strangely. And as we said earlier, all of that can be put down to either side of this argument. He could either have felt guilty. He could have been panicked that he was trying to cover it up. He could have been traumatized from finding his whole family dead at the hands of his father. Yeah. Um, okay. So the prosecution's theory is this. So this is in favor of David having committed the crime. David wakes up around 5 a.m. Yes. Gets dressed and goes to his wardrobe. Oh, yeah. The rifle belonged to David. Oh, David. And was kept under lock and key. Okay. But Robin very, very possibly could have known where the key was. It wasn't okay. Super Probably. Hard. Okay. So he goes to his wardrobe, gets out the, the rifle. He unlocks the trigger guard and puts the silencer on mm-hmm. and loads 10, loads it with 10 round magazines. He gets a pair of white gloves from a drawer and puts them on and his glasses that week were in for being repaired so he took a pair of his mother's glasses to put on so that he could see and then he goes first into Laniat's um room where he shoots her twice in the head okay sorry I said Laniat was out of bed and Arrow was in bed I've got that reversed okay sorry Laniat was in bed shoots her twice in the head as she's sleeping goes to his mother's room shoots her in the forehead in the room of his mother's room, he finds Stephen asleep, puts the rifle to his head, but Stephen wakes up and pushes it away as it goes off. And then there is a struggle with Stephen bleeding heavily from a scalp wound as he fights for his life. David twists Stephen's T-shirt to strangle him and then kills him with a bullet to the head. Good God. During this struggle, David's glasses fall off and he picks them up after Stephen's dead, but one of the lenses has fallen out and is left on the floor of Stephen's room. Okay. Interesting. And David goes back to his own bedroom, puts his glasses on the chair, put his mother's glasses. Then he goes down to where his sister, Arua, has heard the shots and is out of bed praying on her knees for help. She's kneeling. As David comes in, he shoots but misses because he can't see without his glasses. Shoots again, this time killing her. He goes back upstairs, hears Laniette gurgling. Apologies, I had reversed Laniette and Arrowa. Hmm. Laniette was gurgling, and that's when David kills her with a gunshot wound to the head. Then David puts his bloodied clothes into the washing machine. What about, what about, what about while, Margaret and Robin? What? What about Margaret and Robin? Margaret was the first person, sorry, the second person he shoots. Okay. okay. So now... Margaret and the three siblings are all dead and David's father is out in the caravan still. Okay. And so David puts on 
a fresh set of clothes and goes out with his dog to do the paper run. Oh, right. So he's left the dad living with all the bodies in the house and he's gone out to do the paper run. So then he gets home. That makes a, no sense. Ba- I know. Yeah, no that, sense. That I find really hard to yeah. reconcile. I'm exactly. like, that is so Why go to all so this preparation risky. to have a living witness during so the police? So fucking and- risky. Exactly. Yeah, like even if like, you know, they say like, oh, he would have known Robin's timetable. No. I'm like, I wouldn't want to rely on that. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, they say that David then returned home. As we know, there's kind of speculation about whether he returned home at like 645, 640. Computer gets turned on. Um, And it's cutting it really close in terms of witness statements about when he got home. But like, it's, it's all to play for there in terms of the computer getting turned on. David types the suicide message saying, sorry, you were the only one who deserved to stay. And then he hides behind a curtain that leads to the computer room curtain in the computer room and waits for the father to come in and do his daily morning routine which started with prayers in that room and then so his dad would never have seen the bodies yeah and then he shoots the father in the head and leaves the rifle beside his body and then he dials 111 okay so that in a way, it accounts for the 20 minutes exactly. that they can't account for Waiting if for he killed the last person yeah. in that time. Mm. So there is... Option one. Options for the prosecution. There's one thing that they don't mention there that I think is really, really odd. So we all agree that it's fucking crazy that you would leave somebody alive to 100%. potentially stumble across that scene. Now he has the silencer on the gun. Yeah. So it's not like he would have heard the gunshots and come in. Mm-hmm. Mm. But still, like you're really, really banking on yeah. someone doing exactly what they do every morning. And I would not like those odds. No. I'd just be like, no. <laughs> Fuck no. The other thing, though, that then goes against that is that Robin was found to have... A full bladder. So weird. It's definitely the first thing you're going to do when you wake up before you're before birth. you go and kill all these people. You'd take a piss. Yeah, you couldn't keep it all straight in your head that I'm going to murder all these people and need to piss. Morning boner can't piss. Have to wait for it to go down. Do your prayers. Well, yeah, but Could you really pray if he's the with perpetrator, an erection. I'd say many have many. and many do. But go on. If he's the perpetrator, you're going to go for a piss. You've got to go for a piss. Yeah, you want to get that. yourself so in I think that's yeah, like one of the most funny. convincing things for Robin not having done this. Yeah. He's like, you're not going to do it and you need a clear head. Just, you just need a clear head. And Robin, clear head and empty Robin having done it, the glasses is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Did he take yeah. them off the face of his mother? No, I think they were just around the place. I see. Like, I think it wasn't totally unusual for him to, like, pick hers up and okay. use them. Okay, still very They're much similar prescription. David's but the side. lens popping out, there has to be, like, that does, it doesn't just happen. But then, I mean, the defense's point is that lens could have popped out. We know then that he later said he thinks he stumbled around the house a bit, saw the carnage could have stood on the glasses could have dropped the glasses when seeing the body yeah yeah you know getting a bit of blood on his like 
there's blood on the crotch of his shorts, for example. Uh, Stephen's blood. Oh. Dropped the lens. The lens kind of was slightly sort of hidden. It was yeah. kind of half under, I think, the bed or something. Okay. So I'm like... It's all pointing to circumstantial. David. Yeah, it but is all, all circumstantial, but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that points to David. But then, like, what's David's motive for this? He hated them all. But he like, found he'd been out living about his in a, dad. Maybe he found sister. Yeah, or he Why just got he sick of living in a hoarding And he was very situation. close with his mother. And he was planning oh, yeah. to rebuild this refuge with his mother. And he was doing his musical theatre. And he was in college. Maybe he was just having a bad day. And he was on the verge of really getting away from all these people if he wanted to. Well, we have an insight into his psyche with that comment about the jogger. Yeah. So he obviously and the zoning out. And this weird, exactly. Mm. And there is a kind of another weirdy thing from the week before the murders, which was that he went and murdered somebody else. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> he went and got a tattoo. Oh. And that would that be very odd. Said fuck the Banes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the dates. No Bane, no pain. Birth and death. <laughs> um, so he got a band <laughs> and he got a feather pointing down and a rose pointing up on his arm. And we know that he definitely got the tattoo that week because he paid by check. The tattoo artist was able to give all this to the police. But in the week, in the days after the murders, when he was staying with his aunt... The aunt saw the tattoo and was like, when did you get that? And he was like, oh, like over a year ago. Now, I have relatives who don't like tattoos and they ask me to get tattoos if they're new. I'm like, I've had it for years and you just haven't noticed. Okay. That's okay. There's that. There's also he was having a discussion with the tattoo artist and he said to her, my dad's going to hate this, but he'll never see it. Again, I don't know if that's that's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can go both ways. Yeah. Okay, so he's really the defense's theory. Exactly. So if we accept that David Bain did not kill his family, then who did has to be Robin. And and the thing is, I've now been thinking about this for weeks and I've thought it through and been like, Margaret used to see the devil in people. Maybe it was Margaret. Then I was like, what about Stephen? He's the youngest He's the one who's still totally caught up in the family's bullshit. Um, I just, with Stephen's struggle, it's it just makes no sense. There's no other signs that he's, for example, Stephen would have struggled with any of the others in the family before killing them. So it just seems like absolutely not for Stephen. Margaret, if she had done it, wasn't in any kind of physical shape to struggle with Stephen, Mm. the 14-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've thought about it every which way. And I'm like, oh, it's got to be Robin or David. So here's the theory of defense. So a message. Yeah. Okay. So they say that Laniette returned home that weekend to confront her parents with her father's alleged incest. Okay. And that this has been happening over several years. So he'd been abusing her. Um. So Robin, at like at best, would have been losing his job working in education. Apps very potentially facing criminal charges. And this is a very strong motive. And it's more of a motive than David has, I think. Obviously, the marriage between Robin and Margaret was in an absolute shambles. He was the only fam- member of the family working, paying for them all, but not allowed in the house. Mm. So... 
they there is like bloodstains on Robin's clothes and there is question mark over if this some of this had could have come from the other members of the family. And it seems to have been deemed possible, but not confirmed. Um, so they didn't test Robin's hands for gun residue until five hours after the police arrived. Okay. And so they believe, the defense believes this makes the test inconclusive. Mm. The prosecution believe that he didn't have gun residue on his hands. Um, but the defense say that this residue can disappear within hours. Oh, okay. Um, they also didn't conduct those tests at the scene. They conducted the tests after the body had been moved and they hadn't protected the hands when they moved the body. Right. They said that Robin, the dad, had six recent injuries to his hands. And they also said, now, and then like, Conversely, people have said Robin was doing garden work, landscaping work in the days before the murders. Okay. So. Um, well, to explain some marks he had on yeah, his hands. Yeah. Okay. And then they said that there was 20 empty cartridge shells in Robin's cabin, which suggests that Robin had access to the rifle, at least on previous occasions. Because like we know the rifle was David's and it's yeah. kept under lock and key. Um, You'd believe that. You're not going to... In your house, not have access exactly. to the shotgun, yeah. especially the dad, yeah, the yeah. rifle, yeah. So they say that David set his alarm for half five. Um, that the David's, oh yeah, David, sorry, the son set his alarm for half five to be off on his paper end as usual. The caravan alarm was set for six thirty. And so... Was that usual for Robin? I mean, it sounds about right. They say that... So there's different times that the computer could have been switched on, but they do believe no earlier than 6.45. So... That's cutting it fine from David's perspective. If it's he cutting knew it fine. That but his dad was getting up. The defense believe he was seen at the front gate at 6.45 on okay. the door. So it's really cutting it fine. Um, but how long does it take to like press a button on a computer and run down the stairs and go out the door? Exactly. Yeah. It's. I'm presuming it was even upstairs. It could have been. They need to come back here. and type the message. Yeah, but he could have typed the message when he came back from his round. Yes. Yeah. That's true. But they think that the computer. So do you mean like that he went in. He switched it on, on. Went back out. out to be seen by the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Went back in, wrote the note. I mean, it's risky because he could have been seen coming back out from the house. And exactly. Do you know what I mean? True. Depending okay. on which way their gate is. The Maybe neighbor, he walked backwards out the gate. Yeah, he was seen at the front gate. Yes. Um, I'm a criminal mastermind. He, a neighbour was woken at seven by a dog barking. At nine minutes past seven, the emergency call was made. And um, they arrived... About 20 minutes later, which is kind of took a while. So that is the two theories. This is just, there's no way Robin did this. I just don't think we haven't heard enough from how Robin, how it could have played out for Robin. 
other than that the alarm went off at 6.30 and you're saying he came in and he just went through that. Went through what, the house. What, what Robin really supposedly did and... and yeah, so I suppose basically he came, would have come in maybe at 6.30, which is fat tight. Mm, yeah. Like you'd think he would have come in as soon as David left for the paper round. Mm-hmm. Um, full bladder. Full bladder. Never killed took everyone. a piss. Killed everyone. Wrote smartened himself up. Yeah. Typed the note. Changed his clothes. Mm. Mm. Typed the note, shot himself in the head and that's it. Mm. But I mean, or had he planned but also, to kill everyone? Including David. David. And David just didn't get back in time. So he's like, fuck it, I'll just write this little note. But what is the reasoning for, like, understandably, if Margaret did it, she would write David a note saying you're the only one who deserved to live. But, like, what was the relationship between Robin Robin and and David? David? That's been up for debate. So, like, it's, like, David the son has come out at different times and definitely said kind of different things about the relationship. Yeah, so... Like, and then others have said, oh, David hated his father. But then other people are like, they were in choir together. Mm. Um, Okay, so David is arrested, right? And at the first trial was found. Not guilty? Guilty. Guilty. Yeah, I mean, I'm here where everything's pointing to David. Yeah. Um, Now, the, the judge on that trial or a judge who later investigated it said that the police had never come up with a plausible motive for David to kill his entire family. Okay, and are we in, we're in the States, aren't we? And the one thing... No, yeah. we're in New Zealand. Oh, New, Ze- oh, New and Zealand. And the one thing that the prosecution could come up with for being a motive for David to kill the whole family was that he had been having a long-running argument with his father about the use of a chainsaw. So <laughs> It is death by, thousand, death by a thousand paper cuts, though. That's true. Yeah. Um, so he was tra- found guilty of five counts of murder, sentenced to life imprisonment. Then enter former All Black rugby player Joe Carum. Okay, who got to do with anything? A couple of years after the murders, read a newspaper article about these university students who were trying to ma- raise money for David's appeal by selling jam, and he gave over some money to the appeal or to the money being raised. And then he started studying the original trial. And he just felt there was something wrong. And he started a lengthy campaign to have David's convictions overturned. He visited David in prison over 200 times. He wrote four books, four, about the case. Um, He stated in his books that David's innocence is the only possible conclusion. What? And that David was totally innocent and um, his support came at great personal cost to Joe Carum. He was a millionaire who had owned more than 20 investment properties. They were all gone. <gasps> Money sucked away by, you Obsessing know, about this all of the legal costs and paying for forensic evidence. And um, it was said that 10 years down the line of his campaigning, his friends, his money gone. His wife had left him or his the, his partner had left him. He had sold his home that he had stopped socializing because he was sick of his socializing constantly ending in arguments and, and walkouts. He wouldn't let it go. But he succeeded in bringing about, about a retrial for David in 2009. Okay. At the retrial... 
David was found not guilty. Not guilty. Fuck on what off. grounds? The trial lasted. Is it just the absence of evidence? Three months. The absence yeah. of evidence is not evidence of absence. I suppose because they're always trying to prove guilt beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. Rather than prove innocence beyond reasonable doubt. And um, like they did, they went to deliberate and they asked for clarification on the meaning of reasonable doubt and things like that. <gasps> um, 12 angry men. Yeah. But yeah. it does seem like he killed his entire family. And uh, then, oddly, a bit odd, two of the jurors went to a victory party um, after the verdict. Um, and, I mean, they left pretty soon after. I presume somebody said, what are you doing here? It's a bit of a weird look. And they left. And But David was out. How Free many years had he spent in? not guilty. Uh, what, it's been spent, 15 years or whatever? 1994, did you say? I think it was 13 years in the end because um, he had been like jailed a couple of years after, like all the, I think it was 13 years. Anyway, what, when did he get jailed? This, this is, is annoying. I mad. When he was originally jailed, um, it's mad. So, you might expect that David might try and get on with his life. No, he went on a three-month European holiday, which was paid for by his supporters because he got out of prison. He had nothing, and mm. um, apparently, within the year, he was struggling to find work. Um, you know, he was suffering from stigma. This this case was like one of the biggest in New Zealand. Everyone had thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Then in the year following the retrial, he lodged an application for compensation uh, for wrongful imprisonment. Mm-hmm. OK. And um, the uh, government appointed... An overseas judge to examine David's application for compensation. And the judge spent a year looking over everything that had been supplied to him and decided that no comp on the balance of probabilities, which was some kind of legal term that like they have to come up with, you know, the probability of whatever. And the Canadian judge said David was innocent of the murders and oh. should be paid compensation. Interesting. What? Yes. Then, surprise, surprise, government minister Judith Collins disagreed with the judge's conclusions and uh, decided to do another report, presumably to get the result she wanted, which was not pay David any money. Exactly. Well, this is the, if you're conspiracy minded. And so um, in the second report, um, a, a guy called Ian Callanan, another judge, Australian this time, because they had to get overseas people because the thing had been so widely publicized. And Callanan found that David was not innocent. Oh. And... So there's some issues with Callan's report. He never interviewed David. He wasn't allowed to read the previous report. Um, and 
So when Callanan's report of David is not innocent was made public, David's legal team were like, no, fuck this. This is bullshit. We're going to challenge it in court. And in response, the government just gave David $925,000. That's not a lot now for 13 years in prison. Just fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. If you were innocent, I think you'd go for more money. Now, or if you were guilty, would you not go for any? Well, yeah. Or if you were trying to maintain your innocence, you'd say, I have to go for compensation to to seal the deal that I'm innocent. Um, Total cost of the taxpayers of New Zealand for the entire thing, seven million. Um, The retrial alone cost four million. Um, they, they, They did all these opinion polls. In 2012, 2013, 2015. And the majority of people still believed that uh, David should receive compensation for the time he spent in prison. So the public believe he's innocent. Yeah. And when he got out, he was allowed to change his name by deed poll. He married the daughter of one of his staunchest supporters and had a son in 2015 and is living his life. Matt. From a case that looks, from what you've told us. Open and shut. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the real crux of this is that they couldn't prove that Robin didn't didn't kill himself. Sorry. They couldn't. They couldn't prove that he killed himself, that Robin killed himself. Well, they couldn't conclusively prove that he hadn't killed himself. Exactly. Either. Like there was things pointing in all directions. And the thing with these things is they constantly kept getting forensic experts in to argue both sides of this. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So they just It's just the point of re- beyond the reasonable doubt. Machine and the blood on his clothes. So the David Bain donate.nz website has a thing called the nine points. And the nine points basically proving David's innocence had been put to um, officials. So it's something that they've taken time Mm. to put together. Um, And they had put it to a council in 2009, so before 2007, before the retrial. And they'd put it to a council in London to lay out the nine arguments before something called the Privy Council as to why he was innocent. And... um, the Privy Council said there was considerable doubt that David would have been convicted if these nine points had been put to the jury in the original trial. So the nine points are, in brief, basically, Robin's mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said that he was being painted as, like, this kind of upstanding guy who, you know, was totally balanced, devout, while David was, like, disturbed and bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um there was the motive, so never a satisfying motive given for David mm-hmm. to have done it, whereas there is some suggestion of a motive for Robin. There is also these, these bloody sock prints. <laughs> these bloody sock prints were like wrecking my head. But basically, there was bloody sock prints in and out of some of the rooms. And the bloody sock prints were like 280 millimeters, 28 centimeters in length. And that basically Robin's feet were 27 centimetres in length and David's feet were three, 30 centimetres in length. 
So, so, but like, again, it's kind of falling between them. Like, if you weren't fully putting your entire foot down. But I'd say it's easier for a bloody footprint to be slightly larger than the foot with like the slippiness of it rather than to be too small. Yeah. 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 Like, so the, but he's so not just remember, not walking around David's like a little were ballerina. Centimeters. The oh. footprints found were 28 centimeters. And Robin and is Robin's t- were 27. Oh, well, then it's Robin. It's Robin. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so then there is the time the computer is turned on. Basically, the, the what they found was that the police were relying on their own watches to figure out tiny, tiny amounts of time. And so they had a like watch back at the station, a clock. But then it was found that like a lot of the guardy, the police, their watches weren't set to the clock back exactly. at the station. Okay. Their watches were different to each other. One of the constable's watches appeared to be two minutes fast. And in this case, minutes counted. Mm. So then there was, they, on the rest of these nine points, it was the time David returned home, which is, there's two different witnesses that have two different times. They saw him returning home. There's the glasses. So, um... The glasses, they just said that how they'd been presented to the original jury detracted from David's credibility in the eyes of the jury. Um, and so... So if Robin did do, do this and intended for David to live long and prosper... Yeah. Why did he frame him? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he made a fucking He basically did an amazing job of framing the son he was trying to spare. Exactly. There was bloody foot, bloody, bloody fingerprints found on the rifle that were David's. And how would they have gotten come on? Well, they, 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 they said that this is David's. After? No, they were dried and stuff. And they said that this was David's prior use of the rifle. When it was shoot, shot, used to shoot a jogger nearby. I mean, what? Yeah. Now, there was some debate over whether the test of this fingerprint blood afterwards tested positive for human da- DNA or not human DNA. And basically, the defense included this in their argument for David's innocence. That if there was not human DNA. Yeah. That would make David innocent because he did use the gun to kill something. In the struggle of the kill, also was bleeding himself. Was his blood found on the gun or David's? Yeah. Never mind. I'm not no, sure. No, about that. Sorry. Yeah, it's just uh, fucking. Hell. I mean, what a gripping story. It's never have I heard of it? It's like a locked door situation, isn't it? We'll never know for sure. Like there's only well, one I mean, person who knows. He's been found innocent now, so he's. Yeah, well, he's been I found mean, it's not pretty guilty. awful that in sure. then the. Post innocence, when they started the compensation investigations, one judge said probable innocence. One judge said probable, probable guilt. guilt. Oh. I mean, well, gripped the nation. I'm sure at the time. Jesus, thank you, Sophie Whopper. Now, thank if anyone you. wants to listen to eleven hours about that, Black Hands is an excellent podcast done by a journalist who fucking clearly thinks David did it. Okay. So it's oh, not a completely unbiased take. Fascinating. What do you think? I think David did it. You yeah, do. it's me too. I think so. Oh, well, there you go. But at the same time, the motive. 
I do really keep going. Yeah, back but to just the because we don't know the motive doesn't mean he didn't have a motive. He obviously fucking hated these people. I know. Zoned like, out and had violent tendencies. But, Maybe he I did mean, it for he his had jollies. Violent thinking tendencies. Yes, but like how often do they turn into actual Remember what Mary well, Cassidy told us? He was an animal lover, Cassie. Okay, well that's something. He was a bit of a looker when he was younger as well, and he's got a great dress sense, but like Still, he's your taste. A talented. No, look, actor he's very tall. Singer. Look at that one with the shoes and the skinny jeans. It's not that I fancy him, but I want that jumper. He's got um, a great wardrobe of nineties jumpers. Yeah, that all now would be each of those jumpers would be like eighty quid in Crow's Corner. Yeah, nine yeah. Crow's. Sorry, nine. Yeah. Um, I see. I'm flip flopping because now I'm back on Robin. Because like there is like we know that with all the Innocence Project stuff. There is these cases where just layer upon layer of very unlikely but very unlucky things happen. Yeah, I mean, there is. Remember, we did it a couple of years ago, probably in the first year. It's it's the Tamron Cod, Tamron Willingham, Tamron, Cameron Todd Willingham case, trial mm. by fire. It's 208 in Cardiff, Australia. Thanks Whoa. for letting me know. Fascinating. Um, and it was the man who was executed yeah. after being found guilty of arson. And then they re, they re, and his children died his in the fire. Died. And then they relooked the case. That's God. right. That was one of the saddest ones we've ever done. Um, that's our episode. Thank you. Wishing you all well. Thank you, Sophs. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, I'm so glad to get that out. Yeah, good. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Don't kill people. Bye. Bye. Join us in the patron. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.